0: And we're live with Angular Air. Uh, Hello, everybody. My name is Kenzie Dodds. I am your host for Angular Air, this Angular broadcast podcast. Um, And we are are joined today by some guests who know a thing or two about TypeScript and uh, using TypeScript with Angular, and that is our subject for the day. So um, by way of introduction, um, first, our guests are uh, Jonathan Turner and Muhammad um, I didn't even practice your name. <laughs> what is your last name? Higazi. Higazi, okay. So um, these guys are on the uh, TypeScript team, and they're going to share us some awesome stuff today. So um, and then we have our panelists, Amy Knight.
1: Hello.
0: And Olivier Combe. Hi. And Kara Erickson. Hello. And we're joined by a new panelist, Jeff Welpley. Hey, how's it going? So uh, Jeff was on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, that was one of my favorite shows. It was about Angular 2 Alpha, and uh, we had a great time. Um, such a great time that I wanted Jeff on the show every
2: single week. So, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for letting me join, Ken. Yeah, it's good.
0: All right, and uh, so let's go through a couple quick announcements before we start. So uh, next week's show, same time, same place, just next week on June 16th, um, and it is Angular. Um, Angular's new router with Brian Ford, and Amy is being so kind to help get that all set up, Um, and that's going to be a great episode, we're excited about that. Um, And next announcement, stickers, so um, if you haven't been seeing on Twitter, um, I am super stoked about the Angular Air stickers, so go check those those out on Sticker Mule, the link is in the Hangout. Uh, comments, so go check that out. And then, as always, follow us on Google Plus or um, Twitter to keep up to date with uh, the shows that are coming up. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, First I think it would be prudent for us to know who our guests are, so um, if you guys could just um, uh, each introduce yourselves and what your role is in TypeScript, um, and then we can get into talking about what TypeScript is. Sure.
3: I'll go first. Um, So I'm Jonathan Turner, I'm the program manager uh, for the TypeScript team. Program manager is kind of like, uh, I think I call it the inglorious cat herder. Uh, Most of what I do Mm -hmm. is try to focus um, what I can of the engineering efforts and energy in a direction and uh, make sure I can get all the obstacles out of the way so we can go as fast as we can. Um, A lot of times I'm working with external partners, so working with people like the Angular team uh, to make sure that I've got a clear sense of everything that they need, uh, and, uh, yeah. That's me.
4: Yeah, um, I'm Mohammed, Mohammed um, Aghazi. I'm the uh, engineering manager for TypeScript, the TypeScript uh, compiler team. Um, so, basically, we take care of building the compiler, taking care of the core of the language sh- service, and so on and so forth.
0: Great. I'm actually quite curious what it takes to build a compiler. Um, and that maybe some people aren't as interested in that. Um, I don't know if I'd want to build a compiler, but I'm impressed by it. So I'd be curious to uh, get a high-level overview of how that works. Um, But before we get too deep into that, um, I think some people may be watching the show who don't know what TypeScript is and why it matters in the context of Angular. So why don't we kick off with that? Sure. So TypeScript,
3: um, you can think of it like a, a thin layer on top of just plain JavaScript. So we're adding a couple of additional features to JavaScript to make it easier to work with, to make it easier to to scale up to larger projects, to work in an editor and get nice IntelliSense and nice error checking. Um, So I guess one way to think is take that vanilla JavaScript, and now now that ES6 has been ratified, it's kind of like all those nice classes and modules and Lambdas and all of that that kind of make up ES6. Uh, On top of that, add a type system that's totally optional. You can kind of just sprinkle in types. And as you do that, the compiler can help check for those errors um, and can give you like really good uh, auto-completion. We've also started working on adding ES7 style features. So async await is upcoming and and the uh, decorators that Angular 2 uses are are, uh, uh, part of what TypeScript provides now. So TypeScript compiles all that away, so you get a nice clean ES5 uh, output. So that runs across any browser, uh, runs on Node, and, and whatnot. Um, so it's kind of part type checker and part transpiler. And tools. And tools, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's true. So not just the compiler, but we do a whole bunch of tooling in addition to that. So we do the Visual Studio tooling. So um, all of the kind of Azure typing code, and it's checking behind the scenes and giving those, those errors. Um, it's kind of like a flywheel approach so we make the tools that can do that. Uh, we also do uh, Visual Studio code the kind of the, the language service that it uses uh, which you may be familiar with. We did a sublime plugin uh, same thing all these are built on the same code base but we're making them work with a variety of editors and IDEs.
2: So do you work with Webstorm as well or <clears throat> is that just? Uh, they work-
3: we, we know the webstorm folks and we've got a developer here that kind of talks to them over email as answers questions and whatnot and uh, they may at some point start to use more of, of our code They currently have their own uh, their own engine that they plugged piece together so it works with the typescript uh, code bases um, but they may eventually kind of move because we're trying to standardize to like one analysis engine that everyone can kind of use.
0: Cool, so um, with, with TypeScript, like, obviously, there's, um, like, if I decide that I want to take my vanilla ES5 code and I want to start using TypeScript, um, what um, what about TypeScript makes it worth including this build step in my uh, development process?
3: Yeah, I guess the, the if, if all you use is the command line compiler, uh, what you can get is that that bit of error checking, so I can catch um, or the compiler can catch things that would be, uh, you know, relatively simple once you saw the book, but you may not catch it until runtime. You know, you may think you have a lot of unit tests that cover all your code, uh, but that type checker gives you that extra bit of confidence that, you know, you've written code and and the code's correct before you ship it out. Know, that compile step if you're already if you already have a compile step in your pipeline for doing things like minification you know adding the TypeScript compiler is a pretty straightforward piece to you know kind of extending that, that pipeline um, and then you get that kind of extra confidence as part of
0: that yeah I think if you' if you viewers or listeners if you're not using a build to like build your project, uh, it's time that you start. Um, it's kind of crazy to, to not be doing that right now um, yeah. Because there are just so many things, even if you're, you're not using TypeScript, but you use Babel or something like that, you're, you're missing out big time. Um, so one other question I had about um, TypeScript in general, before we get into uh, Angular or anything, um, what about runtime checking? Um, can, can TypeScript give me any safety at runtime, or is it just, um, in, like, uh, at compile time?
3: That's a great question. I mean, the, the kind of the philosophy of TypeScript is that <clears throat> TypeScript is all about the, that build time or the when you're editing in the editor. Uh, it tries to get out of your way after you compiled. So we don't put anything in the output that would make it kind of dirty or, or whatnot. So it should just be very clean JavaScript on the output. So that's good and bad, right? So kind of to your point, you don't have that runtime uh, assertion of a, of a type. But the good side is that you look at the code, and that's exactly what you would have written um, if you didn't have TypeScript at all. You just wrote it by hand. So you you have to have that confidence that what's coming out is really clean.
5: So that's kind of like uh, what Babel does, right?
3: Yeah, it tries to be pretty clean, too. That's right. Okay.
0: Maybe you can uh, touch on that a little bit. Um, how, how does the compiler work? <laughs> um, maybe more specifically, how like how are you able to take um, ES6 code and uh, turn it into human-readable uh, ES5 code? So,
4: <clears throat> so without going into uh, the details of the compiler architecture, but it is more or less your kind of normal compiler class in junior class, uh, junior year in, in college. Now um, the parser, the scanner, and a type checker. And what we do is we um, the basic assumption is that ES6 uh, is TypeScript is a superset of, um, of JavaScript. So, JavaScript, by JavaScript, I mean ECMAScript. Any ratified JavaScript can understand standard. So, you take JavaScript, it's a valid TypeScript, just copy your JavaScript, paste it in a TypeScript file, and run the compiler on it, it's a valid syntax. Um, the only thing that we add on top is types and in addition to some some additional kind of syntactic sugars. So um, the compiler is just a normal JavaScript parser. We parse these, we parse the types. We do our normal kind of syntactic validation, make sure that you didn't miss uh, uh, parentheses or anything like that, and so on and so forth. And then this is where the type checker comes in place. Um, the type checker is is basically trying to infer types as much as it can and understand the type annotations that you have um, put in place. It does all the, the checking between, like, if you said that a variable is a string, it makes make sure that you never assign a number to it. If you have a function that is declared that would accept um, an object as a property bag, you cannot, um, you cannot give it um, another function, for example, and so on and so forth. Um, once the type checker has, is done um, with its um, with its work, which is basically generating errors, at that point, the type checker, the only purpose that the type checker is there is to give you work, so to tell you that you did something that was not um, intended, uh, per se. Uh, once it is done with its work, we go back to the normal kind of transpiler mode, which is like we have an ESD in memory, we have a tree of uh, your JavaScript, input JavaScript, and we do a simple transformation, a text-to-text transformation process where we rewrite it into, uh, depending on what we're doing. So there are different transformations. So one of them is, as Jonathan mentioned, like uh, bringing you ES6 today without having to have the support in the engines. So one of them is um, rewriting classes, rewriting string templates as normal strings, Rewriting uh, uh, like um, destructuring patterns as normal assignments, and so on and so forth. Uh, and and there's another one which is module transformations. So we uh, we will compile down um, your ES6 modules into either CommonJS or uh, AMD, like um, um, normal AMD or UMD or System.js support, and so on and so forth. Um, and these involve transformations of what it means to um, how exports are wired, and so on and so forth. Um, back to the cleanliness of the output, we have we've tried from the beginning is just to keep it idiomatic uh, as possible. Is try to write like, for example, our class pattern is what you would write um, like uh, if you were if you were to write like prototype inheritance chain using functions basically. So if you had enough time, you had all the resources, and you tried to play with it for a bit, and you reached the byte and had like the simplest syntax where you can do that. And um, I think just looking at JavaScript, it will be hard to, to, to know that it was um, was auto-generated. That's kind of part of what we try to do. And we go into kind of a lot of pain to make sure that the emitted code is just like your input code. We try to maintain order. We try not to change the order of statements. We try to keep. Um, um, like we do not try to inject any logic. Anything that you've written will get on the other side, and so on and so forth. And anything that is not expected, especially when it comes to performance, um, we try not to. So, for example, if if you're using accessors like getters and setters, we will tell you that we cannot do it in a good way in ES3, and we will let you decide what you want to do. Um,
3: yep. Some of the patterns that we output, like for example, the classes to the kind of the function closure pattern. Um, that was informed by one of the guys that helped create the, the JavaScript engine for Internet Explorer and for Edge. So he was kind of looking over our shoulders, looking at the emitted uh, JavaScript, saying, oh, you know, you want to tweak the pattern that you're emitting so that it's this style of pattern. And when you do that, you're going to get a lot better performance in the, in the VMs. So um, we did that um, on the, the TypeScript compiler. And then the, the Google team, the, the V8 team, took our output and started optimizing for it as well. So you can kind of use that same output pattern. And if you're writing in TypeScript, you get that nice, clean performance.
4: And, and the idea is you start with JS, you end with JS. Like your code it's JavaScript, TypeScript is JavaScript. You write your code. And if you know JavaScript, you know TypeScript. You write your code. Um, we give you the option to write additional type information that will enforce some rules at design time, but they evaporate once we're done. And you're left with your code. And um, as we um, always say, like, um, if you really um, at some point, you do not like TypeScript. Take your JavaScript calculator that is
5: generated and go on. So I was listening to another podcast yesterday with uh, Amy uh, on Jabber and uh, it was about uh, ESINT. and they said that they were using Esprima um, as a parser. Are you using this as well or another one? No, Maybe.
4: we're using. So we have we have um, we have a different parser. Is it's a lot similar, um, just the handwritten recursive of the parser, your typical uh, parser. The, um, the difference is, th- when we started, we didn't, we couldn't use um, Esprimo. One of the main reasons is because we have tooling. Like we, we, like part of the what we try to support is a core compiler, a core compiler and a type checker. In addition to um, supporting tooling like language service in um, in IDEs and headers and stuff like that. One of the scenarios that we really care about is um, is quick um, turnaround when you're doing like these. An editor where you're editing most of the time. So we usually, um, we always want to do something like like um, sub um, 10 milliseconds for these requests. And to do that efficiently, we need to do incremental parsing. Stream I didn't support incremental parsing. The tree is is, is kind of bigger than um, our tree, which is another problem if you're working with IDs, you're keeping a lot of stuff in memory, so you have to kind of be cognizant of your footprint.
3: Um, we're, we're really, of the, I guess one of the claims for TypeScript is that it, it helps you with the larger scale applications. So as you can imagine, you're scaling up applications to 100,000 or hundreds of thousands of lines of code. Um, making sure that the editing experience is very snappy requires you know, shaving off every little bit of memory you can.
4: Yep. So, so our tree and our parser, we we've gone through like different iterations of making sure that it is can, uh, as fast as we can and as light as we can. Having said so, um, we, um, like a couple of days ago, we were looking at like a new fork of Esperima, or um, that will, will be more like they're going with a concrete ESD. So maybe that will be, like a concrete ESD, obviously, will be easier to implement um, um, incremental parsing on top. Um, so so maybe that will be something that we'll be following and, and, and looking into it. Um, you wouldn't want to maintain a parser unless you have to.
5: Yeah, that's a lot of work.
0: <laughs> One thing that I, I need to mention just to, as a tangent really quick is I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show that um, we do have Q&A. So for our viewers who are watching live, um, if you're watching on the Hangouts page, uh, you can um, open up the Q&A app and um, ask questions that we'll answer at the end of our show. So the last like 10 or 15 minutes, we'll just go through some of your questions. Um, and looks like nobody's asked any yet, so let's get on that, everybody. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So let's let's move on a little bit to um, Angular and how Angular and TypeScript are friends. Um, can you guys give us a little bit of a, a history on how TypeScript and Angular became buddies?
3: Sure. Um, so I guess it kind of started last year. Um, when uh, Rob Eisenberg was helping out with the Angular 2 project. Uh, He had been kind of a fan of the TypeScript project for a while and had been kind of watching us grow as the Angular 2 uh, stuff had been growing. Uh, Actually, even before that, I did have one conversation with Mishko. So we've, you know, it's been like a couple years in the making to get to this point. uh, And we would kind of check in. uh, But Rob, I think, was probably, to credit for, uh, kind of that second push, where like, oh, let's let's actually try this. It looks like the things that Angular 2 needs and the things that TypeScript can provide are are getting closer and closer. Uh, so he helped kind of set up that first um, meeting. We chatted with them briefly, and then found out that they were working on this thing called AdScript, uh, which is you know just like TypeScript is a superset of JavaScript, AdScript was ostensibly the superset of TypeScript. And so we said, well, let us let's come down and visit. So we, you know, booked our plane tickets and we flew down. I took uh, Mohammed and Anders down, and we talked to the the Angular guys, and we're sitting around the table kind of chatting out, like, our directions and where we wanted, you know, the features to kind of grow and and the tools to grow and the the Angular to grow. And we're like, wait a second, you know. We had this kind of, like, snap in our heads. Like, we're, we're all engineers. We're kind of, when we came in the door, we were, you know, this guy was from Google, and this guy was from Microsoft, and it's like, well, we should never get along because that's what people tell us. Um, but really, when we sat down and actually hashed out these problems, we're like, well, these are fun. Let's let's tackle these because these look like something that uh, we could do, and it looked like a lot of people could really benefit from the solutions that we come up with. So that was around uh, November of last year, and since then, I think we've tried to meet with them, you know once every couple of months uh, to get their set of requirements, have them start to try out things that we are working on. Uh, So because of that effort and because of um, uh, Rob and uh, Yehuda Katz, who's also uh, really kind of integral in some of how this stuff works, we started working on a proposal for decorators for ES7, uh, and then we started implementing it, and Babel has since implemented it. So a lot of kind of those first fruits are starting to turn into... You know standards efforts and and tool efforts and and whatnot. Uh, so once they saw kind of the direction that we were going, you know that's when around March, you know so like literally right before NgComp, they're like, no, this is good. Let's let's build Angular two on on TypeScript because we like these guys. We think that direction is a good direction, and you know we can work together with these guys. So um, that's what we did. We kind of said, let's do it. So since then, you know, they've, of course, they announced at ng they're building on TypeScript. They're getting rid of that, the AdScript, and not really getting rid of it, but the, kind of the principles and philosophy of AdScript merged into TypeScript, so that the, the kinds of things they wanted to do, uh, we would be able to do
5: ourselves. So, um, what does it mean for Tracer, uh, since TypeScript is its own transpiler?
3: Right, so... Um, yeah, there's, like, a couple of transpilers. Tracer was one of the early ones. Uh, 6 to 5, which became Babel, was another one. Uh, I would say that, that these are all these are all just trying to... Um, uh, if you don't look at, like, what TypeScript does with a type system, we're all transpilers. We're not trying to uh, move and replace things. But if you're talking about specifically for Angular 2, I think they're moving all their, all their tools onto TypeScript, so they won't be using Tracer as kind of the the transpile tool, but in doing that step, they're also trying to open up to other transpilers, so they're they're talking with the Babel team, so that Babel will be able to work just as easily with Angular 2.
2: So I'm curious, you know, at some point, um, after the Angular team and you guys agreed, okay, we're gonna do this, you know, at some point, uh, two of my heroes, uh, Anders uh, Helsbergen and uh, Mishko, got in a room to talk and really hash out the details of, of how they can actually, uh, you know, merge these two concepts, and it seems like you know some things got in, like decorators. You guys obviously committed to, and some things didn't, like the runtime assertions. So, can you give us a little bit of insight into kind of like the horse trading that went on between yeah. those two? Yeah, I, I think, um,
3: you know, it wasn't it wasn't quite so you know shady. It really was. We were staring at a whiteboard. We're writing out. Okay, these are the things that can do easily these are the things that start getting harder uh, and we're like let's tackle them one by one so we started tackling them the uh, the decorators uh, is something that we knew other libraries did um, and uh, Yehuda who had been doing a lot of research already on decorators uh, was was kind of ready to jump in and start doing standards standards efforts work which is a lot of work if any of you have ever done that you know much respect. It's a lot of work to do that. Um, so he had already been doing that kind of work. So we just, you know, kind of hitched to that wagon and said, you know, let's all work together on that. So that that process has been kind of ongoing. The um, runtime types, because uh, because TypeScript, you know, is one of the efforts for doing types, and there isn't like a standard type system for JavaScript yet. Hopefully, maybe in the the coming years there will be. Um, it doesn't make sense to kind of do standards effort work there. So what we've done is we've kind of made an experimental part of the compiler that will do uh, some very rudimentary injection of types into the runtime. Uh, we don't really promote it, per se, because I think we're still trying to bake it. We're still trying to figure out how it will work. Um, but you can get some of that basic reflection that script allows you to do and then uh, use that. So, for example, Angular 2 does use that so that they can do dependency injection, I'll do a quick, uh, quick call to this this uh, experimental feature that will give them the types that they can then use the in- to instantiate.
0: So actually, I was wondering about um, Angular two's use of uh, the type system and how that works with the injector. Can either one of you uh, talk on that um, at all? I so,
4: um, just as Jonathan mentioned, we have like an, an experimental flag that will allow you to capture um, some type of information from design time and pass uh, it and store it at runtime so that you can access it. So, this is how the creators work, and this is what um, Angular 2 can uses to do the dynamic injection. Um, there are limitations, of course. We do, not, we do not want to serialize the whole type system just because it is a lot of, um, a lot of data that most probably your program would not need all of that. We'll slow it down, and that sort of so forth. One way
3: to kind of think of it might be that um, the way it works now is it works with basic types, and it works with constructor functions. Um, we don't do anything outside of that. But the nice thing with a basic type or constructor function is now I have enough uh, to go to you know, an instantiation of using the constructor function, or I can do a wrapper that does a quick wrap of their function and checks the types as they come in.
4: Yeah, pretty much. And I mean that's that's the basic of dynamic injection you want to do. You want to have a you have a class, you want to instantiate an instance of it, but you wanna kinda satisfy all its dependencies first before you you create that object. So if you have enough information about what it needs, you can go instantiate them, walk the tree, figure out what you need to do, and then do your dynamic instantiation correctly. Um, so we think that we have like enough pieces in place to allow for the dynamic injection scenarios. Um, Still, we're still learning, so we'll see how that evolves, I guess, over time.
3: Yeah, and if anyone that's viewing is interested in how how to like help out here, I know I'm kind of doing my plug early, but this is a great place to do the plug uh, because things like this, you know, we're not setting them in stone. There's like a lot of experimental features in TypeScript that we're just trying out. Um, any of the ES7 stuff is experimental. Any of this kind of not even ES7 yet. It's kind of like the inkle and the the twinkle in the eye. Um, Come jump on the GitHub and, and kind of help us out with it. Uh, as we design, all the design is kind of in the open, so you can you can come and give your your input at any part in the process.
0: Awesome, uh, Kira, you had a pretty good question in here. Do you want to uh, jump on?
1: Sure. Um, I was just wondering if there are any you know hot tips or um, gotchas that you would want to talk about for someone that's new to TypeScript?
3: Hot tips for <laughs> gotchas for using TypeScript. Hmm. Well, the first ones that come to mind for me are TypeScript will always prefer patterns that you can write an interface for. All right, so I can go ahead of time. I can think about what this object is going to look like. I plan ahead. I write the whole thing out. Uh, so anything that's fancy and dynamic, it starts to have some problems with. So, expandos, mixins, you know, extensions, all of the more dynamic, fun parts of JavaScript, uh, you kind of have to plan ahead to support. And, you know, it's not—it's not, it's not going to look at the code that you've written and guess from like this kind of amalgam of lines and lines of code exactly what that thing is doing.
0: So, are you telling me that TypeScript is taking the fun out of JavaScript? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs>
2: Uh, uh,
4: so just to, to to complete that, I mean, we're looking into supporting mixins. We've yeah. we've had um, new ideas. There's a lot of kind of there were a lot of kind of pieces that we need to build until to reach that point, and I think we're almost there. So yeah,
3: I mean, we're a fan of the fun parts too, yeah. right? But the, I think the first the 1.0 or the 2.0 kind of TypeScript was let's let's type all of ES5, let's type all of ES6 if we can, and then now let's, let's see how much of uh, you know the, the more fun patterns we can start trying to tackle.
4: One, one of the gotchas that, or at least the, the problems that I have heard quite a lot lately, and it's not related to TypeScript, per se, but it is about um, modules. Like um, ES6 has become the kind of stack of the line, per se. So people are, are starting to, to dabble with modules. And you start to see, like, um, there are some problems related to loaders and bundlers and, like, there isn't uh, The tool chain hasn't been, kind of, complete yet. We're still experimenting. We're trying to, kind of, help as much as we can, and we're, we're trying to integrate with other tools as much as we can, um, including, things like, system.js, like, yes body loader, JSPM, um, and, and so on and so forth, and so... Um, so th- th- there's some confusion around that area, so that's, that's, that's a place that we get a lot of questions. Yeah.
3: I would say, too, um, anything that's ES7. So we mentioned decorators. Even though Angular 2 is built on decorators, decorators are still um, you know, kind of in process to be standardized because the standard process is long, and they tend to find you know, little tweaks in the design that, that need to happen. Um, like building a giant code base on something that uh, uses experimental features, you know, just know what you're being, buying in for. You may have to do you know, weeks to your code as you go forward.
2: So actually I'm curious with that because I know that Anders really believes in uh, like backwards compatibility and like that's like a strong tenant of everything. But if you're part of what you guys do is to implement these experimental features, doesn't that potentially introduce something where you have to introduce a baking change? Like potentially, you might not have, done that already, but in the future that might happen, right?
3: Yeah, there's there's always that risk of, you know, when we did the earlier versions of TypeScript, we aligned to, uh, you know, a class syntax and an arrow function syntax and, you know, all these things that weren't in a ratified version of JavaScript and weren't going to be in a ratified version of JavaScript for three years. You know, each one of those was kind of a risk to build TypeScript on top of. Um, So it's, there is kind of a calculated risk part to it, as you know, if we start incorporating ES7 uh, features before that's been ratified, uh, so there's there's a couple of things that kind of help us out. Um, one, the the long time for ratification is hopefully at an end. So now with TC39, the kind of the standards body for JavaScript, the the standard is supposed to evolve once every year instead of once every five years or every ten years. So that quick turnaround time should help us catch things earlier. And if things aren't ready, They'll kind of of lag out of the the, the version. Um, And kind of the other piece that helps with that is that we're adding a set of, um, kind of like an experimental flag. And without the experimental flag, you can't even use these features. So you're looking at your code and you're like, aha, OK, I am starting to use things that are experimental. I do need to be aware that these things may change. Um, They may change, you know, if they change in like a subtle way, we'll try to like help you out or, you know, Whatnot. We'll try to give you tooling to, to help that transition. Um, but you, as a developer, need to know, OK, yeah, I'm taking a bet on something that, that is maybe moving ground.
4: And, and we've tried to be cautious about what features we tackle. Um, like, for example, we do not introduce expression level operators. And people usually complain about that. But we try not to kind of be in a place where ES6, uh, or sorry, the TC39 would be in, would be considering at some point in the future. So we don't, we don't, would like to create conflicts. Right. Um, We're committed to trailing the committee.
3: though. I I would say it's not, it's not set in stone because we do want to be able to kind of experiment. But I would say that the the way to think about our philosophy is that we, we will only extend the syntax with things that we are actively trying to standardize um, or, Literally, are under an experimental flag or something. So we, we want to get out of the way of TC39 and in any way that JavaScript could evolve, we want it to just healthily kind of evolve and TypeScript to evolve with it.
1: I had not oh.
0: oh, Sorry, Amy. Go ahead.
1: Um, I was just kind of following along in our doc, and I had a question. This is like a popular question I had um, on our ES6 episode. So the stuff I haven't um, really written TypeScript yet, so. Um, But I kind of hear as I look at code samples and read that, like, everyone really um, talks about it being uh, Mm object-oriented. So as far as, like, writing Angular, this was a popular question for me. Like, what portions of Angular do I want to do um, in an object-oriented way with classes, and what part do I want to keep functional? So with TypeScript, do you think it's the same thing as with ES6, or, like, what patterns do you guys recommend and see as far as uh, like writing your code in Angular functionally and, and then it, with classes?
4: Um, well, a uh, funny thing is that the compiler, the TypeScript compiler is still to be written in a functional pattern. So if you look, if you, if you go to TypeScript uh, on GitHub and you look at the sources, you will probably, in the core compiler, you will not find like a single class. So all functions in, uh, are passing objects around and um, it's your typical JavaScript
3: application. And it kind of uses interfaces uh, object types yep. to, to say what the uh, contract is yep. between these functions, um, but it's all functions and closures. Yep.
4: So basically, if you look at the ASTs, there's a bunch of interfaces, and interfaces are in types in general, just information for the compiler at design time, and they just go away. So you're left with an object structure that represents your nodes and your AST, and um, the interfaces tells the compiler what a, which node is which, basically. Um. So, so that's for functional programming. Of course, classes are a big part of ES6 and a big part of what TypeScript um, started with from the beginning. So classes are supported. So the question is, which pattern do you choose?
3: Uh,
4: that's gonna... Yeah,
3: and classes, too, I think. Um, for Angular 2, especially, the Angular 2, a lot of, that, a lot of the, the kind of nice ergonomics that it has are around you know, I have a class, and I decorate the class, and now I can fully separate all its configuration pieces from kind of the internal logic pieces. Uh, so you'll probably mix and match, I assume, uh, rather than trying to stick to one and go all yeah. the way through in that in that one style.
4: Yeah, and I, part of the thing that we tried to, to do with from the beginning is, for for example, type system in on um, TypeScript is structural, so there isn't really special uh, kind of nature to classes or interfaces, they can mix and match. So if you have an object that is implemented as a class, you can really implement the same structure using a function, and, uh, and you will get, you, they're assignable, the compiler will not get into your way, so if part of your code is written in a class structure, the other part is written in, in a functional structure, that you can still, the compiler will still help you. But again, that's uh, more of an ideological question.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it's totally <laughs> up to you. You mentioned earlier that the Chakra engine was, uh, or the guy who uh, was working on the Chakra engine helped you with some of the output from TypeScript to optimize it. So was that just for classes, or was that for like any um, TypeScript that was modified? So in other words, is there a benefit to using classes from a performance standpoint because of the output, or does it not matter?
3: As long as you're using like good, um, good patterns yourself in your code. Um, the compiler is basically doing that part for you, so you don't have to remember exactly the nice patterns. So there is kind of a slight performance uh, benefit to using the class patterns in in TypeScript. Um, but that said, if you use the same, you write that by hand, you know, you'll get that.
4: Yeah, I mean, at, at the end, you're 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 talking about engines and their optimizations, and different engines handle like Chakra and V8 are are differ on what, what optimizations they do, do for functions and classes and hoisted um, or sorry, like internal functions as well as um, like accessing properties that are not defined and so on and so forth. And then you're that is the part of the fun part about JavaScript is that you have to kinda you have to know what you're doing <laughs> basically at that point. But if you're using the TypeScript classes, that's what basically Jonathan was saying is that so We'll, we'll try to give you an idiomatic pattern that is well kind of tested and in, in um, has well-tested performance characteristics.
2: So I was curious in one other thing that uh, you mentioned earlier. We talked about how the Google team and it was obvious they, that uh, to move to TypeScript from AtScript. I, I'm sure that you've had some similar conversations with Facebook over their use of, like, they have the flow library that they use that does some type inference. So was, uh, what? where did it, was it different, I guess, where they seemed to, like, kind of stick to their direction and not kind of join forces?
3: No, I, I think that's a good question, and uh, we did talk with them a few times. When they, when they first reached out to us, um, they wanted us to put in JSX support into TypeScript, Uh, At the time, JSX seemed like, yeah, we could put that in under a flag. Um, You know, send us a pull request if you guys start on it first. Uh, And I think when they started looking at what they needed for their sort of tooling, and, you know, you would have to kind of interview the Facebook guys for the the full story, but just kind of my, you know, my take from my my point of view, it seemed like they have an infrastructure inside of Facebook uh, that plugs these certain types of tools like that plug together Uh, So, for example, they have a PHP thing called Hack, and it's a server that does all this kind of, you know, testing of of all their PHP code. And so they wanted something similar for all their JavaScript code. Uh, So they they kind of took a lot of the the same logic and moved it into testing JavaScript instead of PHP and made Flow. Uh, We we talk with the Flow guys, like, I I talk with the Flow guys pretty regularly um, about ways that we can kind of standardize it sounds like they have, they have more experiments that they want to do rather than kind of locking in a TypeScript. They want to kind of take flow and, you know, kind of keep evolving it in a direction that makes sense for Facebook. That said, <laughs> we um maybe a good time to chime in about some of the stuff that we're doing. So I know this is the, the, the Angular, Angular podcast, but uh, I know some of you may also be doing React programming. Uh, we are adding a lot of React support to TypeScript in the upcoming version. So you'll be able to turn on a JSX mode, and then uh, when you do that, you'll be able to have kind of full type checking through all your JSX code and your classes, uh, so you've got like a good React experience as well as a good Angular experience.
2: Yeah, I saw that was like the second most commented thing on GitHub, right up up, uh, against uh, non-null parameters or whatever, something like that. Cool.
0: So yep. I think so, we're wind, winding down on our time, um, but I, I, we, I think we still had a question or two that uh, some panelists wanted to ask.
5: Yep. Um, so Microsoft doesn't get any revenue from TypeScript. So how do you justify um, the investment uh, that you are doing in this open source project?
3: Yeah. Um, so TypeScript serves a, a couple of roles. Um, when it was first created, it was created as a tool that that teams inside of Microsoft would use to build large applications. So teams from Office and from Windows were coming to uh, the developer division where we work and were saying, like, how do we we write large JavaScript applications, not just with one person, but like, you know, multiple teams coordinating effort. Uh, So TypeScript was kind of born out of that. Uh, So we have dozens of teams internally that use use TypeScript uh, to build these large applications. Uh, Because we help support that, that kind of gives us um, uh, kind of incentive to continue to to grow inside of Microsoft um, because we help other people make lots of money. Um, There's also just a lot of energy in Microsoft around open source right now. So we are, you know, one one of the earlier projects to embrace open source, and now a lot of kind of the language efforts and developer division efforts are becoming open source. Um, and there's just, there's just a lot of excitement around that and, and, and building good tooling that kind of works, you know, works with good standards, works with libraries, and, you know, works with kind of the community as a whole.
5: Yep, I really like the direction that Microsoft is heading these last years. Um, if you can, just ask the, the Edge team to rename the browser to Spartan. Because I really love this name.
0: <laughs> nice. Um, uh, yeah, plus one for me. I, I like that better than Edge. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So I, I think unless anybody has any other questions that they wanted to ask, I think we can go into the Q and A. We got quite a few good ones. Okay. Um, we'll just jump in then. So um, the. The top one that I'm going to pick um, is from Mike Hardington, and his question is, "How could you take an ES5-based library and use TypeScript to get static typing?"
3: Great. So um, there is a there's an effort going on that's that we didn't actually start. It was just a couple people in the JavaScript community. They started documenting um, the kind of the type information for just you know plain old JavaScript libraries. So at the time we had put out a jquery, uh, one of these, what we call DTS files or typings files. And all you have to do is take that, drop it in your project, and then TypeScript will see that that file, and then we'll let you kind of get full type information, full IntelliSense against the library without changing the library. So that, that file kind of gives all that, that information. Uh, so they kind of started documenting library after library. It's now like uh, over 900 or almost 1,000. Uh, The the site is called Definitely Typed uh, and there's, you know, dozens of people uh, that started it and now it's gone to hundreds and hundreds of of contributors. Um, So if you're using kind of a a standard or even an obscure JavaScript library, you can probably find it in Definitely Typed now. Um, If you write your own, we have a, a handbook on the website that teaches you how to write a DTS file for your own projects, for your own libraries. Uh, so you can still keep the JavaScript the same and not have to move everything to TypeScript uh, and use these DTS files to, to give you that same same experience.
5: Oh, that's good to know, because uh, I saw someone type one of my leaves, and I was wondering what it was. <laughs> so now I know.
3: <laughs> you might want to check it out, you know. Yep. the next Cool.
0: Um, all right, so next question from Andre uh, Buc- Bucati, I think. Uh, he says, well, we finally see a solution for the nasty this issue.
3: Ah, uh, so um, I'm kind of working on that off to the side and, and kind of floating that every you know every few uh, design meetings or so. Uh, it's there are more and more places where this is cropping up, and I think that um, being able to describe what the type of this is and the and the type system in a really flexible way has has a lot of advantages. Uh, that said, I think short-term, we're focused on getting 2.0. 2.0 is where we say ES6 is, is done. We, we're supporting all the major features of ES6, and that's our main, main focus right now for the next couple months. When ES6, all those main features are done, uh, then we'll probably start looking at ways we can make the, the type system stronger, uh, the tooling system, like the integration to a bunch of tools. We'll try to integrate with a bunch more tools than we have in the past. Uh, so you can kind of use this in more places.
0: Great. Um, Okay, next question from Chris Knutson, I think is how you say that. Um, Will we see native support for TypeScript in upcoming versions of Edge or Chrome?
3: Will you see native support? Um, the, The current plan is still that TypeScript will be a JavaScript, you know, it's all about JavaScript, really. Like, you're compiling to JavaScript, you run that, we compile down to that efficient JavaScript, hopefully, efficient JavaScript patterns, and you can run that. Excuse me. So there's no real plan to, to go any further than that in terms of, like, picking that directly in the browsers. Um, I mentioned before that we're working on a typing effort so that you can have a typed JavaScript, and we hope that that kind of picks up steam as, um, you know, for example, the Google or the, the Facebook Flow team, uh, they mature their Flow product, and they're ready to contribute to... Uh, standards effort, we you know kind of fully encourage that, and we can work together with you know other vendors like the Closure Compiler team at Google uh, that have been working on similar
0: things. Cool, sounds good. Uh, next question from Hughes uh, Stefanski, I think. Um, can uh, can you talk about Angular One experience with TypeScript?
4: Sure, you want to go do that, or sure. So. Um... So Angular One experience where um, so we're currently working on like a, a few use samples, just to make sure that um, it's easy for somebody who's looking for writing a TypeScript application with Angular One to find that as well. Um, uh, I think there has been like so Angular One and TypeScript have been around for a while, and there are already the applications that are written um, using the both tools, and there's patterns that have kind of evolved to how to write your kind of Angular One. Uh, Controllers and so on and so forth, and um, we just need to put them and document them so that people can find them if you're starting on a new app or you want to adopt TypeScript or something like that. So we're working on that. Hopefully, in the few um, next weeks, we have something that we uh, we can point people to.
0: Great. Um, I know that there are members in the community who um, preach the TypeScript gospel uh, with Angular, so it's definitely possible, and many recommend it. So. Well, Cool. Uh, another question from, from uh, Hugh Stefinski. Uh, he says, is there a plan to, de- uh, to debug TypeScript directly within Visual Studio Code?
3: In Visual Studio Code. Yeah, actually, I think with the most recent release, which is 0.3.0, 0.3.0 um, they did turn on debugging TypeScript code directly in Visual Studio Code. Um, if it's not in that one, then it's, it's coming soon.
0: Cool, good to hear, I'm sure Hughes will really be excited about that. Um, so um, next question, is it possible to create dependency injection based on in- interfaces using TypeScript? Um, I think the simple answer to yeah. that is yes, because that's what Angular 2 is doing, right?
3: Um, on classes, yes, that was kind of the caveat with the, the type, uh, runtime types, interfaces don't have a, ru- like a runtime type, like a constructor function that we can just hand, uh, hand the decorator. Uh, so what you're gonna get is just something that says object. Um, And that's kind of, you know, if we keep evolving the runtime types, we want to be able to express things, but as Mohammed says, it's not trivial, and it actually gets really complicated pretty quickly. Um, You know, imagine an interface that's recursive, right? So how do you describe that in a really generic way? Um, Or a generic function, or generic, you know, whatever. So these, these things we would, we may continue to explore, or we may just say, you know, the set of functionality that we have now is probably going to, you know, be the set for a little while.
2: Um,
3: but I think that that's one of those things that we want the community to kind of come on to GitHub and, and to chat with us as we're as we're kind of exploring these features.
4: Yeah, and in addition to types in, in TypeScript are structural, so it's it's, it's a bit um, it's it's not trivial to do some dynamic injection using structural types, because you have to you have to go figure out if the structures are compatible at runtime, and that's not cheap.
0: You're working on hard problems, and we appreciate it. <laughs> cool. Um, so, uh, another question by Sander Mack, I think that's how you say his name. Um, what are the benefit, uh, or what benefits do TypeScript offer over using an ES6 transpiler besides the type system?
3: Besides the type system, um, so if you're, yes, if it's just an ESX transpiler, what you get is a set of uh, experimental ES7 features, um, so Beable has started doing this as well. So we're not the only only ones that do this. But being able to, um, for example, in 1.6, which is the one after the one we're working on right now, you'll be able to do async await. So promise level programming, um, you'll have, you know, an async await implementation that you can use. Decorators, for example, or another feature. So it's not just the type system, but the type system does kind of plug into these experimental features to give you a bonus on top.
4: And one other thing is to remember tooling as well.
3: Uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah,
4: so I mean, uh, that's basically if, if the one of the reasons of, of the existence of the optional type system is to enable these scenarios. to so allow you to do refactoring, safe refactorings. If you want to replace, rename something everywhere, you can do that. Allow you to do, like, uh, split your projects into, um, split your code into projects and allow them to interface safely with each other, have different Groups of developers working on different uh, pieces of their code without having to worry about like uh, breaking the world. Um, and again, like develop. I mean, the whole idea here is to increasing developer productivity, whether it is tooling or catching errors as soon as possible, or uh, providing patterns that you would have to rewrite over and over every time to that they provide abstract for you. Cool. Um,
0: I think the type system is a huge benefit. People don't appreciate that as much as as they could. Um, Okay, and last question. I think this is a great one. Um, How do you trace bugs from the transpiled JavaScript back to the TypeScript equivalent?
3: So we have uh, a flag on the compiler that will output a source map file, and source maps are supported in all modern browsers, and they're supported in Visual Studio and hopefully soon uh, Visual Studio code. And that source map file will map from the the output JavaScript back to the original TypeScript. And you can kind of see this if you you compile with that flag. You open it in something like Google Chrome and go into the developer tools. uh, It'll show you the TypeScript file. um, And you can kind of step through the TypeScript file instead of stepping through that JavaScript file.
0: Neato. Cool. Um, Highly recommend source maps if you're not using it, Um, especially if you're minifying your code and shipping it off to production. Please send it with source maps so that you can debug sanely. Um, Cool, okay, so that's our last question. So we're going to move on into picks. Um, And so just as a reminder, picks are, like, anything that you care to pick. Uh, It doesn't have to be tech-related or not. Um, But whatever you do pick or whatever tips you give, uh, please Post it in the comments of the Hangout um, so that people can uh, go see what they are later. And I just posted a a link to the Hangout um, there. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, Let's start with uh, Amy. What picks do you have for us and tips?
1: Sure. So I have another pick, uh, or another podcast, rather. Um, This one's really good. It's called Software Engineering Radio. And uh, rather than, like, getting into, I think, some of, like, the newer uh, technologies that are out there, they get into some more, like, core concepts, um, but I get a lot out of listening to this one, so I would recommend everyone go listen to it, and that's it for me.
5: Great, thanks. Um, Olivier? Yep, so I have two. Um, the first one is um, uh, a conference uh, that uh, I'm attending next week. Uh, it's... Name go to Amsterdam and you will be able to see me. <laughs> I will have uh, Angular air stickers if I can <coughs> get it in time, and uh, there will be um, Pascal and Carmen as well uh, doing another talk. So if you want to go, I post uh, the link. You can still buy tickets, and I can give you a discount uh, for the for the tickets. So use it. Uh, and my other pick is uh, not tech related. It's about uh, the last two episodes of uh, Game of Thrones. If you haven't seen them, um, there, yeah, yeah. Maybe if you watch the podcast, I have uh, an awesome uh, Game of Thrones T-shirt tonight uh, because um, in the last two episodes, so I'm going to spoil here. And um, you have. I haven't
0: watched the last one. <laughs> I think he, he just muted himself. I think he did it on purpose. He's super excited
5: though. <laughs> yeah, and that's why you need to see them.
0: So if you if you are listening to this and aren't watching, I would highly this is my pick. I want you to watch uh, Olivier just go crazy just right there. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, thanks Olivier. <laughs> You're uh, Jeff, do you have any picks for us and tips?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, for two picks. First, uh, Angular U. Uh, we're two weeks out from a um, talk that Patrick and I are giving on server rendering, Angular 2 server rendering. So uh, watch that online. If, you, if you're in San Francisco area, try to make it over there. And then the other pick is um, this past uh, episode of Adventures in Angular uh, podcast. Uh, my friend Gleb Bamatov, uh, was on, and I thought did a great job talking about Angular performance in Angular One, uh, so I would highly recommend that. I apologize, Ken, that he wasn't able to solve your problem, uh, but I, I think he did a pretty good job other, otherwise.
0: I definitely plus one to that pick, and uh, he is planning on actually doing a, a screencast of Im- helping to improve f- performance uh, for my problem uh, with uh, making Angular Formula even better. So. Let's see, hopefully we can put enough pressure on him that he does that, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Cool, Um, I I guess I'm talking, so I'll go ahead. Um, So TypeScript is awesome because it gives you uh, type checking at compile time, Um, and one of the things that I really, really, really like about React and something that they totally got right was prop types, Um, and so that's runtime checking for when you're using um, a, a component, they can say, hey, This is my user avatar component, and I require a user that has an image uh, property or something. And and so you can declaratively say uh, what you require, um, you know, to to use this component, and then you get warnings in the console when you're using it wrong. Um, And so this is at runtime. So I liked that concept so much that I wanted it in Angular, and so I wrote a library. uh, It has zero dependencies. It's called API check. Um, and it's very similar to the API of React prop types, um, but it has no dependencies, and so you can use it. And I actually use it in Angular formally, and when I, st- when I implemented it, I got a lot fewer questions about how to use things properly, and I'm sure the TypeScript guys, like, totally get that, because, um, yeah, it's just so much nicer when the tool teaches people how to use the tool. Um, so I, I also, on top of that, once I finished with API Check, I built uh, Angular scope types, um, and this is still a bit of a work in progress, but basically it allows you to, on your directive definition object in Angular 1, um, you can specify scope types, and this is where it's very, very similar to React prop types. And so you can get runtime type checking on your directives, which is something that, you, um, like, type checking your directives API is something that TypeScript just simply couldn't do, um, and so maybe with some of the, um, yeah, Anyway, uh, it's it's super cool, and I'm super excited about it. I've started working uh, using it here at work, and it helps people use my directives better. So, finally, my last pick is sort of tech related, sort of not. It's called it's a new podcast called Parent Programming by my uh, buddy Kevin Lamping, and um, I'll share the, the Twitter handle so you can go look up um, the episodes and stuff. Um, but just uh, some some people forget that family is really the most important thing ever um, for anything, and so. Um, parent programming kind of uh, puts the, my two favorite things together. Um, and so, yeah, go check that out. Kara, uh, what uh, picks and tips do you have for us?
1: Um, just one pick this week. Uh, it's actually kind of early. Um, but so CSS Conf is um, coming up in a few weeks. And uh, my friend Rachel, I think she was on the show two weeks ago, Rachel Moore, is doing a talk on um, ops tooling for UI. And I've seen some of the early drafts of it. It's going to be pretty cool. So I recommend checking that out when that comes out. That's my only pick.
0: <laughs> Great. Uh, and now for our guests. You guys can fight over who goes first. <laughs> you want to go first?
4: Sure. So uh, my bet is that the ngconf demo that Jonathan made um, in ngconf um, a while back, uh, we have updated it to, um, to use the latest TypeScript compiler, the latest. Uh, Angular job, and use system.js and system um, the system module loader. So you just do you not know, have to run the compiler. It runs in the, in the browser as part of your development. You just give it quite your TypeScript file in your favorite editor, and uh, hit F5, and uh, you get your code in errors and stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super cool to see the system.js stuff uh, kind of go into place, so now you can kind of have a much much smoother experience, much quicker experience to kind of get started. Um, that's a great pick. So the, the maybe the two picks that I would pick, one kind of dovetails to that. If you haven't seen Alex Eagle's um, Angular 2 video yet, which he does, like, in, I was just shocked. He does it in Visual Studio Code. Um, right after Visual Studio Code was released, he's like, oh, this is great. So he makes this video, um, walks you through the first, you know, 10 minutes of writing your first Angular 2 app, um, and how to get set up, and, and, and it's a good video to kind of get started. Uh, the other pick I would have, and uh, kind of goes along with, with Jeff, I'm also going to be at Angular U. I'll be uh, keynoting remember which day, but I'll be there. Uh, so definitely, uh, if you are interested, if you're in the San Francisco area, uh, come by. Come, come check it out. And uh, I'll, I'll be around for most of the days. so if you, if you see me, grab me uh, and have a conversation.
0: Great. Um, sounds good. Let me just quickly check our Q&A. Looks like it's empty, so I think I'll just wrap up the show. Um, so again, the uh, just some general announcements. Next week's show is on Angular's new router with Brian Ford, who wrote the new router, so he knows a thing or two about it. Um, and that's June 16th, uh, same time, same place. So um, yeah, RSVP to the end, and it'll get added to your calendar um, in your time zone. Um, So, also, stickers are awesome, and Angular Air has them, so um, check out some links for that. And uh, follow us on Twitter and Google Plus for the latest and greatest from Angular Air. And so that's it. Thank you. uh, Yeah, thanks to everybody for watching and for coming on. Really appreciate uh, TypeScript guys coming here. Thanks. So, um, yeah, without any further ado, see you guys uh, next week.
4: Bye. See ya.
1: Bye.